Welcome into another edition of the Big Red Louie podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lane. Following up an episode that I don't think any of us ever dreamed would happen with Coach Chris Mack, joined tonight by my good friend, Alex Stengel. How are you, man? Long time no see. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Got a nice lift in tonight with Alex. So we we just saw each other about 35 minutes ago. But we're joined by our good friend, Will Reddington, host of the Red Talk podcast. We're putting you in a hard spot here following up, Coach Mack, like the, the day after. That's what I was about to say. It's great to be here, guys, but I'm, I'm far less accomplished than your prior guests, but I'm going to do the best I can. Well, that's all we can ask for is the best that you got. We've actually got quite a bit to talk about. I'm really excited about this show. But, Will, how are you, man? It's been a couple of months since we've chatted. How's everything been during this, this weird time? Uh, it's been good, man. My life without sports the first month was probably the roughest thing I've ever experienced. The yeah. withdrawals were just crazy to deal with. I never thought I'd have to face a day where the Cubs never come back or Louisville just stops playing sports on my television but now I've kind of gotten over it I've seen every show that's ever existed and uh, kind of forgot <laughs> what it was like to experience sports what's the best thing you've watched during during the quarantine non-sports related I, I guess we could because I'm sure this best sports thing that you've watched has to be the the document the Jordan documentary right that's the best thing that's been out right 100% the okay. Jordan documentary and it, that's probably in like terms of both that's what i would go with but i love that long gone summer the mark mcguire sammy sosa documentary they did this past week i'm a big cubs fan so i really enjoyed that one but i'm a big 13 reasons why i got to i don't okay. really love the uh season four a lot of question marks a lot of mishaps but i agree it was a fun ride and uh now that it's over that's kind of all that's been on my mind for the last two weeks i was happy you- that you uh, asked me to do this yeah, absolutely. Well, we can talk about shows all night long. Let me, Alex, before you jump in here, let me ask you, have you been watching the last two weeks of the Bachelor recaps of the best seasons of all time? So I have not, man. I did my listen to your heart segments. I paid my dues to the community <laughs> in that way. And I really liked listen to your heart. That's up there as well. It replaced a lot of the drama with good songs. So didn't hate what the Bachelor did there. But no, nah, man, I've watched every old Louisville basketball game and LSU football game. I am not watching Bachelor I've, Greatest Hits. I just it's been it's we my wife and I watched it for about 10 minutes. I was like, all right cut it this is this is not this isn't it this isn't the content that i was hoping for no. with you know because i was like yeah, we'll probably do some kind of like virtual bachelor paradise type type thing or you know what i'm saying like they never did they went with that and was, uh, it's been a rough summer for them it has yeah alex what, what would you would you have for will oh no i was just gonna let him know uh, yeah i was pulled into watching 13 reasons why uh by the fiance last week as well so i am all caught up and i do agree with that opinion but I did not come on this podcast to talk about that because we get the show is just frustrating. Like it's just, it it's gotten ridiculous. Like I think the it's writers nice. were honestly just like, Oh shit, there's, there's a fourth season. Okay. All right. Let's, let's just figure this out and get through this. Cause it just made no sense. But before we exactly. move on, before we move on to the, to the first thing I want to talk about, I had a question for my wife the other night. We were watching, I think we were just watching The Office, which we've seen every season of 50 times. And I said, do you think when, and maybe this is a dumb question. I don't know. I'll let you guys be the audience here. But I like these. I, I asked her, I said, do you think that when writers start shows that they know where they're going with it? Or is it just really like the Michael Scott line where he says, I start sentences and, you know, I have nowhere where they'll end up? That's a great question, honestly. I don't know because like, I, you know, I think they have a, a an initial storyline in mind. And then, you know, from there, cause like no one writes like more than one or two seasons in, cause you never know when you're going to get canceled. I mean, they, that happens all the time. So they just kind of see how it goes and then people love it. It takes off, it goes viral, all this stuff. And then, and then they're like scrambling just to create like storylines, like people, 
you know, more so like look at Game of Thrones. Like that was the most beloved show I think I've seen in our lifetime. Right. But do you and, do you think that they knew the, the ending? Ended. Like exactly. Do, that's what I'm saying. Like it just Do you think they knew what they were gonna do at the end of it? They were like, Oh damn, we have to end this somehow. What do we do? That's exactly what happened, I think. I mean, 13 Reasons and Stranger Things, stuff like that. They get that season one, and it just blows up. And now it's like, right. oh, we're and back. It's fantastic, though. Rich. It is great. Like, all yeah. those shows are fantastic. But, like, by the fourth or fifth season, you're like, all right, what's – like, it just kind of, you know, peaks, and then you're, then you're done. I get to a point with those shows where I just enjoy seeing them hang out. I really don't care what they're doing. <laughs> I don't care how right. bad the story is. As long as that cast is on my TV hanging out doing anything, I'm enjoying it. And that's kind of how I felt with 13 Reasons. Like, I would have changed a lot, but I love these people. Yeah, great stuff. All right, so we've got a good show. We've got a lot of things to talk about. I want to get into the Chris Mack interview and, and really kind of break that down because obviously we didn't get the chance to do that uh, since, since we put that out there. And then I want to talk a, a couple of uh, different – non Louisville sports uh, things. And I want to start with this. All right. So I saw this tweet the other day from David Gardner of Bleach Report. Uh, and this, this is one of those tweets that like I, I read it and I'm like, that is so me to the point that I have to tell somebody else. And so I sent it to Alex and Alex is like, yeah, that's like what happens all the time with us and anyone else that I'm texting. So here's, here's the question that David poses. He says, when someone sends you a text and you realize you never responded to an older message, do you apologize for that or just ignore it? Like it never happened. So say I text Alex and I say, what's up, man? He's like, good, how are you? Or, you know, just chilling. And I never respond. And I go back and I look at it and I'm like, oh, dang, I didn't respond. Do I say, sorry, I didn't see that? Or do I just start a new conversation? In, in my defense, right? I've, like, it's not an if for me. It's just a, on a ratio of like how many of this week. Because I am terrible with keeping up with, with text messages for the simple fact uh, that I always think I, I immediately text someone back. And then I realize I don't. So it honestly, it's an honest mistake, but you do it more than once. It's like, shame on me. But now I look like if I do it two or three times, like Jacob knows no harm, no foul. Like don't take it personally. Cause it just, I'm not good with it. But, uh, but yeah, to the, the people that don't text that often. Yeah. I, um, that's a tough situation. I have uh, three possible responses for this situation. So the first one uh, is the easiest. You never got the message. You delete it and you <laughs> just go to the grave <laughs> on the I false agree. claim that you just never got the message. I mean, you can delete it really easy on an iPhone, and then you can compare with the other person's phone and say, hey, I didn't get this message. Number yeah, two, and, and they can't prove that. They cannot disprove no, you no matter what. There is no deleted text message file that they can say, pull that up. It doesn't exist. Exactly. You got to be careful with an iPad that can really get you. Uh, number two, you got to apologize immediately for your prior mishap. Blame it on popularity. Blame it on notifications. Blame it on yourself and your lack of attention to detail. Yeah. That would be the hardest one to do, in my opinion. Then you have the third option, which is hold on, hold on. Before you go to three, oh, number two, here's one thing that kids are great for. Sorry, busy with the kid, trying to get the kid down mm. for, for a nap, for sleep. She was crazy. She's running around. I do it all the time. So I, number three, I have. That's good to know, Jacob. Kinda, yeah, this one's outlandish. Uh, you take some time to work on you. Understand the why between, <laughs> uh, behind why you didn't respond to that first message. And maybe after hours of thought, you forget to respond to the current message. But at least you'll understand why exactly that is. So, yeah, that's what I have for that topic. That's, that's the one. Like, that's the one you, that I, I feel it. Like, that's me. I right. do it every time. And I feel bad, but I'm like. I have to do what I have to do here and that's start this next conversation with the thought I have and go on as if it never happened. I like it. It's 
Fair enough. All right, let's move into yeah. the next topic. The NBA is back, and it is back in the most NBA fashion that I could ever imagine. They've been talking about this for months now. It, honestly, for a while, I didn't think it was going to happen. I'm still a little bit on the fence on if I think this is going to actually happen. But the NBA has announced the plan to return to action and begin their bubble playoff uh, down in Orlando at Disney World, uh, which just happened to have an airport in the news in a not-so-good light. True or not true, I'm not sure. We'll see where that goes. But the, the, the guidelines, it's a nine-phase plan. Again, the most NBA thing ever to be this detailed, nine-phase. Uh, and it includes getting 22 teams, I believe, down to Orlando to play at a really nice complex that they use for AAU tournaments and a bunch of other different events where they have all the amenities of Disney at their disposal. Uh, and so these players from these very high-profile teams are being, are, are being asked to fly in without their families in the middle of – uh, what could be a huge turning point in American history uh, for the for black people and and uh, the players of the NBA, the, the platform, the following that they have being asked to come and play in a bubble during a pandemic, during all of this, this, you know, the rioting, the protesting, all of it. Um, and the NBA has unveiled this plan that is incredibly detailed to the point of what I like to call the bubble to do list. Right. So this is what they're allowed to do. So they're going to come in. They're going to be divided up into hotels uh, based off of seating. And the best teams are going to stay in the nicest hotels. Uh, and the worst teams that are there are going to stay in the worst hotels. They're going to have access to a number of different things. The biggest, the biggest highlight being the 24-hour player lounge, uh, which has 2K, barbers, uh, DJs, arcade games, and ping pong tables. Uh, when they fly in, they've got to be isolated for 48 hours, be double, they've got to be tested and be double negative to return to action. And then there's a variety of different things of how it's going to actually work with the playing uh, thing. But what I can't get over is this list of what they, what they can and can't do. Now, I understand social distancing, right? This is, this is what's yeah. going to keep our, our country moving through a pandemic and doing it as safe as possible, social distancing, six feet apart. The game of basketball, it is not possible to social distance. So you've got to do everything you can around it, limiting who comes in, who can be exposed, the staff, all that thing. Um, and and that's, that's what the NBA is trying to figure out. And it's really interesting how they're doing it. But there are a couple of things that, that stand out to me. I'm going to start with this one. The ping pong tables that they have, no doubles. Only single. What? No doubles. Can't play with two people on each side. But you can play ping pong, though. And you can play 2K. You can go to games and watch games that you're not playing in. See, you can do some stuff, but not all stuff. It's, right. it's like a spring break style trip with the championship on the line, but it's like spring break freshman year of high school with your parents. Like you're still going out of town. You're still going to be able to do some stuff you can't do back home, but there's still a strict set of rules that you must abide by. Yeah, and, and it's, like, it's like going on a spring break with just your bros, right? like 500 of your best guy friends only. So like the shenanigans and the hooligans that can, they, they can, they can happen. The things that you can do are endless, except for you're in the middle of a pandemic. Right. So no ping pong doubles. Uh, you know, the barber shop, that's an interesting thing. You have to wear a mask, which you are really pissed them. about the ping pong doubles. No, it's, it's like it's, a third time you brought that up already. We're like, halfway okay, through this ha segment. Look, you haven't even... It's the one thing that I remember off the topic. It was so subject. funny. Uh, and then we can't we i would be remiss if i didn't say this all right the snitch hotline that's what they're calling it the, yes. the hotline that players staff employees of disney can have access to to call and basically say hey player x is over here and he was standing four feet away from player z 
uh, and the way that it's going to work is it's a warning and, and then it's a fine and then it can be potentially a suspension, right? So like, I don't know if you guys saw all of the memes that were going around like this week with, with Chris Paul and James Harden. Those are the two, like the big ones, right? The, right. the stripper in James Harden room, that's an easy, uh, easy parallel. But I don't know if you guys have read this, but let me know what, like, what is the best thing that you've seen or heard so far? Hmm. I think it's it's definitely been the memes for me. So I mean, you just kind of nailed nailed it. Um, I think there's a there's there's been a couple funny LeBron ones as well. But I honestly think it's going to come down to you know some kid working at the park is going to ask one of his favorite players for an autograph. They're going to say no, and then just Roast hit up the hotline. Oh, hit <laughs> up, hit up the hotline. You know what? So no, yeah. I think. It, yeah, that's that's my question, and that's what I asked you guys before the podcast was how do you like enforce like the parameter? I just think like this is going to be so easily abused, or it could be. Yeah, you know, if I you don't put almost... like so many things in place to to you know restrict it. But yeah, how do you will? How do you see this working out? Like realistically, I think they uh, I think they want as few possible incidents as possible. So I don't think you're, even if things happen that are against the rules, that you're going to see that published in the media too often, unless it has to be more honor system. I think, uh, you know, the Raptors are like already headed down there. A lot of the teams are waiting until it's start like 20 days before it starts. The Raptors are like about to go right now and they're clearly going to do whatever it takes to win the title again. And, And they possibly could in this type of weird scenario, but everybody says James Harden, Chris Paul calling that hotline. Kyle Lowry kind of seems like that guy. To me. So <laughs> I feel like he would snitch head. on DeMar DeRozan somehow. Oh, that would be his, his one to snitch on, like, like playfully. They'll do whatever it takes. And, Jacob, to your point on the, the masks in the barbershop, I saw something really interesting on this. So each team is allowed to bring, like, 35 people, and that includes players, coaches, uh, condition, uh, medical people, all that, 35 yeah, people total. And if you're on the first row of the bench, sitting on the actual bench, coaches, players, active players, you do not have to wear a mask. But if you're on that second row, you do have to wear a mask. So it's just a huge difference. I mean, you got to want to be in that first row if you're uh, within an NBA franchise. But think of like the cool branding that they can do with the second row of people, right? The mask, like sell their products through the people that are sitting in the second row. I thought that was really interesting as well uh, because, you know, they've got to limit who can have access and who can come in. And part of that is they're saying they're going to do, you know, tests ahead of time to determine if some of the older coaches like Greg Popovich is in his seventies, if, if he can even be there because of the, the safety and the risk right. that, are, 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 that come with that, you know, some of the older population being exposed. Uh, but it's really interesting to see how this is all going to work out. You, the, the players have until I think it's like the 24th to decide if they're going to go down. And then from there, there's going to be this mass free agency where all of these unsigned players are going to be brought in. And then you're going to have a season that I personally, I don't think it's going to, I don't think they can complete it. There's going to be too many things that come up that I don't think that you can plan for in a pandemic. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see. And it is going to bring a lot of entertainment for at least like three weeks, which one thing, that's all I need to get me through. One, one I just thing need I a little bit. That was uh, relatively encouraging with uh, this whole plan is that they've already come out and said like a small or otherwise expected cases of COVID-19 will not shut down the entire league. And that's kind of what I think everybody was worried about. They saw the Gobert thing happen right when this pandemic started. And you're kind of thinking like, okay, well, we can try to play, but if one guy gets this and we're all there, it's all getting shut down because you have to assume the entire team has it, et cetera. And I I like how they've come out and said, like, we're not going to halt based on one piece of new information 
and like this stuff is kind of expected. So we'll see. I hope they can finish, but I am glad that they've addressed a lot of these issues, unlike the MLB. If I had to pose the question of who you think is more likely to win it all, and this this could be an, an obvious question, or it could not be because you know you, there's been a lot of talk about teams kind of coming out of nowhere to win in such a weird time. Uh, but Montrez Harrell, Donovan Mitchell, is that a, is that an obvious one that Montrez Harrell would be more likely to win a championship than than the Jazz and and Donovan Mitchell? I think so, just because I, I think those teams that are younger with a mass amount of depth are really going to thrive in this situation. At least you would think so, and that's what like the Clippers and the Bucks have that a lot of other teams don't. The Jazz, it's it's going to be so hard to see them having success with the drama between Mitchell and Gobert, and mainly with uh, what Joe Ingles has lately said about how he doesn't want to go, and then he's yeah. sad that him and Jordan Clarkson can't play duos ping pong like you mentioned. <laughs> so th- those are I mean the subject of the night. You yeah, can't so I, we you you can't rule out doubles ping pong like that's part of every NBA championship. Now, a lot of people were probably hearing you say that. Like, why is this guy talking about Just know, Joe Ingles has also mentioned this on Twitter. He's bummed out about it. But, like, he's one of the guys, like, that if he doesn't come, the Jazz don't really have the depth, I don't think, to go all the way. They probably don't have it anyway. Yeah. But you're, you're seeing stuff like that. I, I just have a hard time seeing the Jazz being one of those teams there at the end in the West. But the, the Clippers are legit. They're built for it. Yeah, and I think that if there's anything that we know of the playoffs and what's to come, one thing I know is certain is Montrez Harrell's going to show up and he's going to be ready to play. There's not going to be you, – you're talking about, you know, they people talking about who's going to come in like super out of shape. Not going to be Montrez Harrell. He's going to come in ready to play and win a championship and go get paid this summer. Uh, and I think they can win it all. I really do. I think I think it's going to be a team that comes out of nowhere. It's just it's just so weird. Like the way it's going to work is going to be really weird. Uh, I don't see, you know, the Bucks or the Lakers winning at all. Yeah, the Celtics have that type of, like, AAU solid depth as well. It, it really could go a bunch of different ways. But the Clippers do have that chip on their shoulder. You saw Patrick Beverly tweet out, like, if LeBron says we're playing, like, we're playing, stay woke or something like that. And the Clippers have kind of felt like that little brother, I think, still all year this year with the publicity LeBron gets. Montrez is going to be ready to go. As long as Paul George and Kawhi are healthy, I would not want to play them. Yeah, Alex, go ahead. Finish finish your thoughts here, and then let's move let's move into Louisville basketball. No, I, th- I think Will almost stole my thunder. I think yeah, I think it's going to be the Clippers because I think Montrez is going to get so pissed because there's going to be a couple rides that aren't open for his daughter to go on, and so he's just going to take that anger out on the court and then just go twenty twenty a night, you know, and then just take take the finals. That's it. That, yeah, I like it. All right, I mean, let's really, move into. Let's move into Louisville basketball. I think we have a little bit to talk about considering that just 24 hours ago, we released a podcast with Chris Mack on it. Uh, I think that it was one of the more interesting interviews he's done. And I say that not because I, you know, work for the site and host the podcast. I say that generally because when have you heard him speak with one place for 30, 45 minutes, you know, whatever the time was on that and get, you know, so in, in depth in a couple of different topics. That was the thing for me is just him, him going that that deep on a couple of different things but I wanted to get your all's your all's thoughts on what what's your big takeaway from that Alex go ahead since you were you were there with me yeah I mean if there's one thing that stood not even what he said but just the way he said it it was probably the most relaxed I think I've seen him talk like about basketball in an environment so that was really cool because it was almost just like like a fireside chat to where he was just explaining you know his thoughts on certain things and you know we like we, like you said, I mean, we weren't supposed to go that long, but we let him, we let him go as much as he wanted to. And I think he had a lot to say that was on his mind. 
that he probably couldn't say in like, you know, a formal interview or in front of, you know, the podium or, you know, there was never maybe a right time. So I really think it's cool that he's just taking a minute now that he has more time in front of uh, screens all day, um, yeah. you know, just to sit down and, and kind of, I guess, ease up a little bit. Yeah. And Will, what do you think? I'm curious because, you know, you, you, you weren't on there. You, you've kind of listened from a hand you and I talked yesterday and, and uh, you know, you've had time now to kind of listen through that as a fan and as a, you know, a friend of the show, what are your thoughts on, on what he said and, and kind of just like the overall feeling of the interview? I loved his positive outlook on literally everything. Everything you asked him about, he just talked about it with just such optimism and positivity, and I think that goes a long way, and you kind of can feel that from the stands and watching him coach. But I, I love the detail into his recruiting about how hard it was to do all this virtually because you can't see someone's attitude and how they react to a tough situation within the game. Right. That's such a good point, and that's such a – big part of building basketball culture at a school where you're taking in a kid at 17 18 years old and hoping he's going to be it for you I, I love that part and then Jacob I mean shout out to you Chris Mack told you you had a great question with the, <laughs> the final scholarship I heard that and I was like my god Jacob with we the were on the uh, question there's oh a better my. feeling in the world True, than buddy. hearing that yeah before you're nervous for something so props to you man it's, it's fantastic yeah we were like the, alex has to tell a story about that yeah yeah we were on like the uh the we were doing the google doc sharing um you know with our cues and stuff like that on there and so as soon as max said that like i'm blowing it up in like large <laughs> font underscore like great question and then like a little bit later when chris mack uh like cracked a joke or whatever and started laughing i'm like i'm like you made him laugh oh my god like <laughs> i'm basically yeah. his virtual like silent hype man uh before his questions so no i think I, I agree with you i think jacob you did a phenomenal job no y'all are too sweet podcast. man i appreciate that for me i want to talk a little basketball because there there was a couple of things he talked about um but the one thing is i've kind of i've, I've kind of marinated on this for the last 24 hours um, and and it, it really does take a little bit of reading between the lines. But uh, the one question I wanted to ask him was about the makeup of the team, because I've been talking about that since, you know, the recruiting class was final. They got the graduate transfers like, man, this looks like Xavier. Like, this is exactly what I remember watching Remy Abel play for that team and like having all of these guys that are like six, 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 seven, six, five, like they're long, they're athletic, they're, they're tough. And if you read between the lines, man, Chris Mack is telling you the last two years have not been that. He did not have that. And uh, talking about toughness, talking about, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. Like, and the look on his face in the video was like, it kind of opened his eyes of like, okay, so other people see this. Like yeah. this team is starting to be what I want. It's a bunch of dudes who it's truly positionless basketball with, with skill, uh, with size, with athleticism. And most importantly, that pack line defense, when you've got five guys with arms that are that long and, and guys that can move like that and that aren't afraid to play defense, and most importantly, aren't aren't deadered from playing defense because their shots aren't falling. Uh, their shot sharp. Did I say sharts? Because that's you what I thought. Have, I, I was just going to let you roll. I was just whatever. So the shots. It sounded like it sounded like I said sharts. But anyways, point being, I, I feel like this team has Chris Mack written all over it, and I feel like the more he talked about it, the more uh, we saw him get excited about that. Um, and if I have ever seen him as excited as he was talking about Jalen Withers, it's like me talking about 
uh, I don't even know equivalent, uh, like my daughter behaving for a full day. It, there's a lot of potential for that to happen, right? That there, that every day I wake up with that hope, uh, and I start conversations with my wife, like, man, she's gonna be real behaved today. I have a feeling, and that's what he was with Jay, with Jalen Withers, like. He sees it, man. You're talking about how he's strong enough to guard ACC fives. He's got a comparable big and Amir Sims, who I think is going to be a potential ACC player of the year candidate this year. Like he, he, he is talking about Jalen Withers because he has seen something that like we haven't seen. And he's like, just wait till y'all see it. Yeah. I think Will, you know, made a good point of, of just listening to him and how optimistic and positive he sounded. But I think the third, you know, word I would use would be his excitement and you know we knew you know every let's say like every coach is going to tell you they're excited for their team and excited for the season ahead and and all that stuff but I agree with with Jacob um, you know if we were on the phone I think it would have been almost a little bit tougher uh, to see you know how he talked about it because us being on video with him and I know you can't see it but like he was smirking and smiling about it like the entire time and, and so Jacob's right like the excitement he truly has to see this guy come out and blossom uh I, I really think is is exciting and the fact that we got a little a little scoop on our hands uh with the fact that he's told us what Withers is an inch and a half taller now and yeah inch and a half taller you know could be a flexible five or something so I mean right. he that's right he came into the program at like 195 pounds and redshirted which was Am I crazy in thinking that that was kind of uh, out of the out of the blue decision? Like we were all thinking it was going to be Quinn because that was what was said when he committed. And then Jalen red shirts, you start thinking about it, and you're like, well, you know, a year to put some muscle on makes some. some <laughs> and then he sense met here. Andy Kettler. Yeah, right. And Andy Kettler got him right, and now they're talking about him guarding fives in the ACC. You're telling me he can guard Garrison Brooks? He can guard Armando Bacot? He can guard Vernon Carey type guys? Whew. And not only guard them, but like bother them. You know, because I think Cause that's he's, the I mean, he, he goes on he's like, for forever. Yeah, because it's like not only is he going to bother them on the offensive side, but he's going to bother them, you know, facing the glass every time. He's like, he's going to be an issue. And so him talking like that, I agree with you. It's not like there's uh, there's not any, you know, decent bigs in the, in the ACC. So when he makes a statement like that and does it as confidently as he did, yeah, I, I'm excited to uh, to see that happen in reality. Yeah, I loved uh, I loved how he talked about Withers and all that, but I also loved how you know you guys asked him the question, "What are we going to see at the four this year?" And I think that's a position that a lot of the fan base is looking at. How are we going to fill this spot? And he talked about Withers, but he wasn't like, "Yeah, you know, it, it it's it's his spot. Like everything's earned. It's not given. Like he he wouldn't commit to that. He, he said like this is all going to be decided late summer in the preseason." And I love that part of it, too, that he's still very unsure. He doesn't have his mind made up because a lot can change. You never know what you're going to get out of guys. Yeah, and how can you have your mind made up when none of these guys have been under your watch for the last three and a half months and you have no idea? You, I'm sure he has some idea of what kind of fitness level in basketball they've been doing. But, I mean, it is truly as, as open as you could ever expect. And, uh, you know, Quinn and Jalen and uh, even Charles Minlin. I mean, there's a lot of options at the four. And if you're talking about versatility, the other thing that he said that really stood out to me that I thought kind of went under the radar at first, and when I listened to it, I was like, I did not realize he said that. He was talking about going Bobby Huggins and playing four guards with a big man because they've got such they've got such versatile guards, right? When you have a six foot five point guard, you can do a lot of different things at other spots on the floor. Right. And if you get if you give me a lineup with David Johnson and Carly uh, Carly Jones, and then maybe throw in. Um, 
you know, Jalen at the four or, or not even Jalen, if Josh Nickelberry at the three and then maybe putting um, Charles Menlin at the four, you've got four guards that can shoot the ball, can drive. I mean, it just gives them so much versatility next season that they have not had because their three and their four have been Dwayne Sutton and Jordan Warren. And those guys are both limited in offense and defense. Like, you know, one is really strong on offense, one is not on, on defense, and one is really strong on defense and, you know, hit or miss on offense. So that stood out. And then the other thing to me, and I don't know if you even caught, you know, if you thought anything about this, I don't, I don't really have the pulse on the fan base on this, but talking about Cincinnati, um, Alex threw in a, a really subtle jab of like sarcasm. It sucked. Chris Mack, I don't think yeah. he, no, no, it did. Uh, no, 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 it didn't. Nervous. I, I was didn't. so nervous. But no, no, no. But I, I don't know if just, Chris Mack it landed heard it. so bad, Jacob. I don't think I, he heard it, man. I, don't, yeah, I heard it. I heard it. Uh, okay, so that's yeah, all that matters is that somebody else heard it. But Will, I was good, crushed. He asked a good question was, of – It was bad. I immediately you know, texted Jacob. Like, we saw a TikTok video of Chris Mack and John Brennan like five days into like the you, you can't go anywhere, social distancing rules, and it's like – how pissed are people about that? I've never seen Where are y'all? What are y'all doing? And about we, a figure out, yeah. we figure out Louisville's going to play Cincinnati, uh, who they haven't played since 2014, six years ago. I mean, it's been six years since Louisville played Cincinnati, who they played every year for I don't know how long. Uh, but I thought Chris Mack's comments were interesting that part of the decision there was that you have to be in a mindset of playing against your friend. And that's a weird thing when, when your teams are competitive. You know, we saw what happened with, with Xavier in Cincinnati with some of the fights. Uh, we know that those two coaches did not get along. The joke might not have landed, but uh, the, the, the thought behind it remains the same, that Coach Mack hated Mick Cronin. Uh, and now John Brennan is his, one of his very good friends coaching at a program that he's got history with, Lobel's got history with. I thought it was all really interesting how it came to be. One, I'm still just reflecting on my on my question because yeah, even I was a little, um, you know, I, you I gave made yourself a, some grace, man. You did okay. It's, it's you did fine. okay. It's I almost you forgot. didn't say your name, but you well, did that okay. and I tripped up because I almost forgot it was in 2014 because I had to check my notes. I was like, God, do your. Point. It was in 2016, but you're you're close there. Well, I, I mean, all right, whatever. I'm bad at math, but either way, so we grew up watching like Louisville Cincinnati games. You know, like I I think that was a huge fun yeah. rivalry for us to grow up watching on the um, count of three who is the most hated cincinnati player that you ever watch are you ready one two three eric kicks yancey gates oh man that's a good one alex doesn't have one i'm not surprised there lance stevenson is my favorite cincinnati player lance stevenson is the worst no he's great he's, no he's but, great. but continue your thought i'm just i was curious there because we if we grew up watching cincinnati we had a player that we hated no, uh, I just Jason Max Seal is also on that list. I didn't have one player. I just remember Bobby Huggins in his grown ass men, like just beating the crap out of like actual college looking kids. Like every dude on those teams growing up on Cincinnati just looked like they were yoked in 40. I mean, yeah, it, it was Paul insane. Jack. Yeah, exactly. Um, so sorry, I don't remember a specific player. I just remember <laughs> being scared of their team every time we played them. Um, but no, I, I really think it's awesome that he can, you know, he's not like other coaches and he even said it, like we can totally compartmentalize like our friendship for a night and, and actually be foes. And we have no problem doing that. And we know it's, it's for the greater good. I think so many coaches, uh, that 
end up doing this for a long time, end up in their own stuff and, and kind of forget the fan side of it sometimes and how much fans cherish certain like rivalries. And, and the fact that we keep like Memphis is still Memphis state to us, you know, like there's just weird stuff that you have between different fan bases. And, and sometimes that's easily, easily lost um, over the years. So the fact that, you know, they're really, really making an effort to bring back the regional matchups is, is really cool to see. Yeah, and in a year like this, like he said, that makes a ton of sense that you don't travel to. <laughs> I think travel. it's like, I think it's Puerto Rico where they play the Armed Forces Classic or maybe it's another island, but they've got to travel pretty far. And, and this time it, it's not a good decision. Uh, quickly, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but is there another program quickly off the top of your head that you'd want to see Louisville add to the schedule? Somebody tweeted to the clip that we put out today with the sound. Uh, Memphis is who they want to see next. For me, I would be really interested, really interested in seeing, you know, potentially like a Georgetown or somebody from the Big East that you had a really good rivalry with. with. Um, and then the other one is Xavier. I think that's a that's a program. And I asked him about that. And and yeah. Alex, I apologize, I cut you off, but I had to ask that before we moved. No, on no, no. That was a good question. And he, I mean, it it was a he it was a good question, but it was play. a great response, right? Yeah, and because I think that, could, I agree. Like, keep going. I know what you're. Yeah, you could, right. you could say the same thing with him and Travis Steele, who was his assistant coach for so many years at Xavier and now as the head coach of what him and John Brennan are. But interestingly enough, I didn't, I didn't expect him to say, you know, he said there's hard feelings at Xavier, you know, and I believe that that's not just fans. That's probably administration, people who thought he was going to be a lifer there. Um, yeah. And I, I didn't expect that. That was interesting. That was news to me. I think it was a very honest moment for him, uh, for sure, because he was just kind of, um, you know, almost like reflecting on, on the, the transition from Xavier to Louisville. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that he immediately wouldn't want to start a rivalry with the school you just kind of ripped the heart out of, I totally get that. And the fact he also said um, in part of that answer that it, just out of respect to the players that he recruited, you yeah, know, that, which that's makes total huge, sense. I mean, yeah, because you want to do the most respectable thing when you, when you change jobs. And of course, you know, every coach would probably want to take so many kids on his team with them to the next school, but that's not how it works. So uh, yeah, I think that's the best option. And I do think based on that answer, like you said, um, we're probably going to see that rivalry happen just maybe, you know, longer term. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Will. Uh, I, I totally agree with all that. I loved the Xavier question. I, I, thought his answer to that was perfect, like pretty much all of your questions. Like, I, I could just listen to Chris Mack talk for Gushing. You are buttering me up, man. <laughs> oh, that's not even to you all. That's to Coach Mack. Well, yeah, oh, okay. That, well. that, that's just for Chris. You guys are pretty cool, too. <laughs> Easy but uh, I, I'd, love to, uh, I'd love to see UofL play UConn again. I, I miss those rivalries badly. Yeah, that would be, that'd be a great one. At. And then also, like, you know, a little off topic, but for football, I'd love to see us get a non-conference game against UCF time just a little ucf Ooh. revenge wait that they've got no 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 that, dude that's in two years 2022 no they they play central florida yeah it's a season opener that's um, what i'm talking about so they have them on the schedule because if you remember a few years ago uh, i think it was like right when vince got here central florida tweeted like no one will play us who wants to play us and vince said all right i'll pick up the phone and i'll call you and we'll play you and they put the, the date on the schedule. And, and I think they also play South Florida here in a few years as well. I could be wrong on that, but I remember that happening. Football is an interesting one uh, because, you know, Conference USA is where they came from. They played 
you know, a few yeah. years in the Big East, and, and most of those schools are kind of here now. I would say West Virginia. Like, most fans hate that. I'd like it to be a neutral field game so that no one has to go to West Virginia. Yeah, but for that would be dope. reasons. Yeah, yeah right. Because if you remember, I think the year, the last year that Louisville played them was the year Andrew Johnson picked off the pass and this pick six where he blew kisses into the stands, uh, which is my favorite gift of all time, not even close. I think that was the last time Louisville played them, which was my sophomore year of college. And that game, I remember people who were there saying their fans were ready to fight us. Like, they yeah. were ready to fight. Louisville wasn't supposed to win that game. Right. So, I, I think that's a good one. Alex, any football schools you'd like to see on the schedule? I know it's a little off topic, but, you know, we're about to talk football, so maybe not. No, no, no. Um, I mean, I speaking of ripping hearts out, I think in a couple of years down the road, how cool would it be to, to schedule like, a, uh, like an App State game? Just like maybe an alma mater game. I'm just saying, I think that yeah, that's be, a great that'd point. That'd be super badass. But I also understand, like, he was a lifer, lifer there. Like, Mac hey, was but, there but for they like would 10 welcome years. him like, back, right? Yeah, They'd I mean, that's the thing. He's such a great arms. guy. They still talk about him, and he still tweets at the football. Like, it, it's crazy how Gunter Brewer and all these guys. Sorry, I know I just went off on a tangent, but no, 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 no. Like, I'm not laughing like, at that. I'm laughing because yesterday in a press conference, a reporter from I think Missouri hopped on to ask Scott Setterfield about a. Uh, assistant coach he had at App State who is now at <laughs> Missouri. And it was like, what is this guy asking about? Yeah, man, I don't know about that. That's not my team. But, um, yeah, he – I don't know. I, I think they're just so connected and loved everywhere they go. And especially the um, the Doomerville tweet today. Like, I don't mean to get sidetracked here, but how effing cool is is seeing, you know, a guy that they basically – they immediately got to campus. And, like, one of the – you know, like, um, I forgot what tweet I saw it on Twitter somewhere earlier, but basically, it, like, one of the first things they did was have to sit this kid down and be like, dude, like, we're going to put you on a medical red shirt. Like, we, we just are concerned for your health. So we think in your best interest, you know, like, to slim down how you can, like, we'll help you in any way, shape, or form, but like, you're not going to play football. And even them telling him they're not going to play football. Like he loves them that much to talk about Chris or to talk about Satterfield and how much they care. So yeah, that's my football rant. All right. So let's move into football recruiting. That's a great transition because not only did, did uh, Doomerville tweet that today, but you've seen that in, in live time with four commitments in two days, which is to have to double piece in two days in a row is just, it's a double piece, double piece like that. It's just wild that that's what they did. Uh, but here we are. They're at 15 recruits, and they are they are on track for the best recruiting class of all time. And we could spend time talking about each player, and we could go into what they could be. Any podcast can do that at any time. But the one thing I want to talk about is Sugar Sanders, because I think that that is the one guy now, quarterback um, from Texas, Deion Sanders' son, uh, who has the most buzz around him. And he has, to me, this, like, this like Teddy Bridgewater feel. If you remember when Teddy got recruited, uh, when Charlie came in, it was like, man, this is, Teddy decommitted from Miami. It was like, this is too good to be true. Like, this has Louisville written all over, but I don't see a scenario where this happens. And then Charlie lands Teddy, the, the rest is history. Like, I feel like that that could be the case right now with Sugar Sanders, with this staff. And the, the thing that we started talking about as a group today is what is, you know, I think Louisville sits really in a good spot, right? We've seen Louisville all over the place. I don't know if you guys have been following on Twitter, but it seems like Louisville's in a good spot with him. Uh, but, like, you see him working out with Tom Brady. Like, you see all these big things, and it's like – Super it's, casual. It's, it's, right, but it's almost, like, too good to be true at Louisville. Like, well, your school, LSU, like, they're right in the middle of this. They're recruiting the same guy as Louisville. Like, in that, in that world where Alabama, LSU, Florida State, they're coming after the 
guys like this, Louisville never wins that battle. Uh, but I think they have a chance to. But the question I have, not to be long-winded, is does it make, does it make you feel more comfortable if, if he were to commit tomorrow uh, but continue to be recruited by other schools, potentially go visit other schools, and have the chance to be wooed longer by bigger-name programs like the LSUs and the Alabamas? Or would you rather him go through the entire recruitment process? Uh, well, let me go back. And, and say he does all that and then decommits before signing day, like exactly what happened with Chubba last year, Chubba Purdy. So would you prefer that option with that being like the worst term, worst case scenario, or him wait and you potentially lose out on him, but you never had like that hope that he was going to get here. Do you guys have a preference on that? Because I, I found that conversation to be interesting. All right, I'll go first. I think um, one, yeah, I personally, I wouldn't get, I'd be happy, obviously, but like because of that immediate memory of Chubba Purdy, yeah, I wouldn't be like over the moon about it. I would think um, it makes more sense um, recruiting-wise and momentum-wise to – for hit, like if he committed early, I think long-term it would be better for the team, even if he decommitted, because a momentum builder like that, and that's a name brand too, you know? Right. I mean, like Deion Sanders' son coming to your school committing – joining the fold and then helping recruit other kids to the school. I mean, yeah, that's going to do nothing but good things. And then, yeah, sadly, if he, you know, like you just said, LSU. So as much as we want to talk about QBU at Louisville, you know, you guys literally just won a national championship and sent your quarterback as the number one overall pick. So you have a little clout in the QB game as well. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think that would be my opinion was, sign up now, help us get more guys. And then, you know, if it happens, it happens, but you know. Yeah. What do you think, Will? I'd, I'd love to see him commit now. Just the power that the Louisville football social media staff has and that Louisville fan base has. I'd love to see him just get his name within our program to the point where they can put those tweets out where it, it makes him like the number one pick and their cool graphic. And they, they give a sweet picture where it has his notes feature on his iPhone explaining why he chose the school. I just think stuff like that, like you, you really get a feel if you're a kid of how much this place will love you and already immediately loves you. And I think Louisville's a place that thrives off that. So I'd like to see him do it now. I mean, it obviously helps shape the recruiting class. And also there's another big plus in the fact that he gets to watch Mikhail Cunningham this year and think this could be me. I could thrive in the system. Maybe I can even be better than that. It's, it's a heck of an example to go off of. And while all these other big name schools are recruiting against us, I mean, if you look at these pro football focused numbers, like, none of them are expected to be better at the quarterback position than Mikhail Cunningham. So I, it, it's going to be interesting to see, but I'd like to see him get it done now. Yeah. And the thing that is interesting about the Mikhail Cunningham part of that is I think we saw to an extent last year with Jay Scrub watching Jordan war as the guy for basketball. Uh, not that Jordan wasn't great a lot of the time, but there were times where, you know, his, his stock didn't rise, right. It fell. Uh, and, you know, say what you will, I think that's a part of why Jay Scrub went straight to the NBA was that he didn't feel like he was for sure going to see his stock rise. Um, and if Mikhail has a bad year, you know, not saying he will, but if he has a great year, you're about to open a door of quarterbacks because you are truly quarterback you at that point where you've had three different coaching staffs develop NFL caliber quarterbacks. Um, but if not, man, we're going to, that, that could be a setback to where you're talking about, you know, depending on what T Webb does, but you could be talking about, the narrative quickly shifting on like, man, maybe they don't get their guys ready as we thought they did. But for me, ah, man, the, 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 
heartbreak of losing Chuba at the last second last year was brutal because that yeah. that recruiting class was all him in terms of hype at the top. Uh, this year, it's going to be a much more diverse class at the top in terms of it's not going to be a quarterback. Most likely, it'll be a defensive player. But to lose out, if Shadur Sanders were to commit tomorrow uh, and then decommit in three months and go to Florida State, I'd understand. But if he were to decommit and go anywhere else, like it, I don't know. It's just like Louisville can't be the big quarterback school, right? right. They're getting they're getting squashed by a bigger school, and and. and but I also think I also think right now we have bigger issues to fill, like like the immediate depth that they're building. Like through this class, it's so much more diverse, like you said. But also, if Sanders committed, uh, like Will said, if Sanders committed now, that he could help pull in a guy um, like what's it, Prince Colley, the four-star linebacker. And I don't know. And I know you said we're not talking like getting into the weeds with recruiting, but I mean, look at that dude's film, and holy crap. I mean, like, he just knocks kids' blocks off left and right. So if you can help – if he can build the recruiting class for us and help us, um, and, yeah, it's still going to suck either way, especially since that would be back-to-back years you lose, you know, a three- to four-star quarterback. But overall, like, long-term, like, we're not in a bad spot of quarterbacks at Louisville right now. I mean, like, think about it. Like, that's why Purdy didn't come. You're looking at a, a sophomore QB – that had a really, really great year, and even a true freshman that helped us win games. So, I mean, that's a lot of competition coming in when you thought you were just going to, you know, essentially do a couple of practices over the summer and be like, yep, I'm, I'm competing. I'm there. I think he, so he has a lot more, uh, yeah, just a lot further to go at Louisville. So, clearly FSU yeah. is a little easier path to get on the field right now. Yeah, but it says a lot, though. I mean, what does that say about Scott Satterfield and the staff that Deion Sanders uh, played at Florida State and Louisville is considered to be the leader for his son? I mean, I think part of that is credit to Lamar Jackson for setting what could be. I mean, look at man. You're, I saw this tweet today that said that there'd be a cheat code on Madden that you could put in where Bobby Petrino is the head coach of Lamar Jackson to slow him down. <laughs> Like if Lamar Jackson and if Bobby Petrino, Bobby Petrino can do that with Lamar Jackson. Imagine what Scott Satterfield can do with a, a star quarterback like Shadur Sanders, and the dude is a pro quarterback. Like you know, you may you may watch his film and think, oh, he's a runner first. That dude's got an arm, man. He's got an arm that kind of is up there with Lamar, and it makes sense that he would want to play for Louisville. It really does. But gosh, to two years in a row losing out on your top guy at, at quarterback, I don't know. It's just tough. It's a tougher rebound. So. Will, thank you so much for joining the show. It's been a good one. I think we've laughed more tonight than we have in a long time on this show. So if anything, you brought that. So I think our audience is going to be very thankful. So thank you. Uh, you guys can catch his podcast, the Red Talk Podcast, anywhere podcasts are found. It's great, man. Will and his guests, they do a great job of bringing the laughs and the knowledge. So definitely check that out. Jacob, I appreciate the plug, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, the Chris Mack interview, seriously, one more time. Fantastic job, guys. Kudos to you all. Great interview, great content. It's been rolling all the way throughout quarantine, which is very hard to do. Uh, like you tweeted today, Jacob, the content hasn't slowed down. So shout out to you all. It was a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, appreciate you jumping on and producing the show. You guys can find us on Twitter at the Big Red Louie. You can find us at uh, bigredlouie.com. Thank you guys for tuning in.